All right. I hate to break up a good celebration, but I want to invite you to return to your seats. Great to see everybody. I want to take just a few minutes and share something, just some thoughts. We're going to go too deep with this, but I feel like in the spirit of baptism, I and mean, when we're talking about a service where we get to see new life and we get to see uh, what this is about, because really for me, whenever we celebrate baptism, that is always a reminder of why we do what we do every day, all day long. It's about new life. It's about coming into that place and stepping into a fresh and new relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today I want to talk about this idea of anyone and anything. And so I want to just share a couple of things again in the spirit of baptism. Now, I, I know that sometimes in the context of baptism, a lot of churches do baptism different ways. There are some that sprinkle, there are some that pour, there are some that dunk, there are some that dunk and then hold you down till bubbles come up. There's different ways to do it because, you know, we want to make sure we got you, right? Every, every cell of your skin's got to be underwater. And there's all kinds of ways, so I kind of like to, to laugh at things sometimes. So I want to share this with you. This is an example of a, of a young man who got a really excited about his baptism. <laughs> so he baptized himself. Now, we haven't had that happen yet, but we almost did. I, I thought we were about to have that. So that's one way to do it. Now there's another way, and every once in a while you'll get a situation where you might have a little bit of resistance to baptism. So um, I know depending on the tradition you came out of, but this kid is like, no way, Jose, I'm not going in there. And uh, the mom's standing there thinking, oh no, this is going to go viral on the internet, I'm sure. So anyway, every once in a while you get a little resistance. Now sometimes you have what I call the sneak attack baptism. This is the one that, that the person didn't see it coming. So I'll share this one with you. This is a sneak attack. Never saw it coming, but you know what? We're going to get them in, right? We're going to get them taken care of. So that's a Nacho Libre for the uninformed. And then here on the last one here, I just want to share this. This, is, this just tells you that it doesn't even matter if you have water. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but no water necessary. You just go right where you are. So, uh, so you know what? They're going to get it done one way or the other. And maybe the last one, and I remember one time we did a baptism in January, and the heating element on the baptistry broke. And we didn't know it until that morning, so we had an option. We were baptizing about 11 people. And I said, look, here's what we can do. If it, this is going to be cold, and I mean like really cold. Um, so if y'all want to put it off, they said, no, we already have family here. We're going to do it. So I said, well, this will be a baptism you never forget. So you always want to check the water temperature <laughs> when you do a baptism, or you may get something like that. So anyway, just a little baptism humor there. Anyone and anything. I want to share a scripture with you because today, this is really, really personal for me. Because anytime we talk about stepping over the line to be a follower of Jesus, even though I like to have fun and I like to laugh and, and I love to just cut up about stuff, this is where I go, okay, this is what impacted my life and changed the trajectory not only of my life but of my family's life is when I stepped over the line and said yes to Jesus. And then every day as I continue to step over the line, continue to say yes, the trajectory of my life gets changed. Jesus said this, He was with His disciples 
in the book of John chapter 15, and he says this, this is my commandment. Now, if he's saying this is my commandment, that's pretty important. He's saying to his disciples, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. When I was in high school, my friend Lenny Drake, and I have to tell just a little backstory on this, Lenny and I were running buddies. Now, I have to tell you, I was raised in West Texas. I've said that before, and all you all know that. Some of us have connected. We've got a few West Texas folk here. And, and the drill was pretty much the same in most of our little towns, little oil-filled towns, where you grew up, you drove a pickup, you played football, and you hunted and fished, and you drank a lot of beer, and you listened to rock and roll. I mean, it was just, there was this sort of this whole theme about what we did, and that, of course, that was for those of us who didn't know Jesus. And I, before I became a follower of Jesus, my friend and I, Lenny Drake, I want to show you a picture of Lenny. That's a picture of Lenny with his daughter. Lenny and I became running buddies. We did everything together. We played football together. I was the weak side cornerback. He was strong side corner. So we were in we were practice all the time together. We were, we were just yin and yang. We were on one side and the other. And we, we were just buds. We were friends, best friends. And Lenny and I, we got into, we weren't massive troublemakers, but I will say we stepped over the line a few times, and we, but we always did it together. My senior year of high school, Lenny came back those are the post-bold gold antelopes, by the way. We were laughing about uh, different kinds of uh, mascots. For example, Faith is going to be going to Howard Payne in the fall, and, and they're the yellow jackets, so they do their little get-your-stinger-up kind of thing. And So we were the bold gold antelopes. I don't know how vicious an antelope can be, but uh, that's, that's, that was us. But Lenny here, um, Lenny and I ran together, and I remember one night, or one Monday morning, Lenny came back to school on Monday, and there was something different about Lenny. Something changed. Something shifted. And I could tell the moment I saw him because he walked in on Monday morning with a smile on his face. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't go to many Monday morning classes in high school with a smile on my face. So that was odd to begin with. And I said, hey, man, what's, what's up with you? And he said, he said man, I, I got saved. And I said, you got saved from what? <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't have any point of reference per se. And I said, what do you mean you got saved? He said, he said they had this guy. He was a football player and from Texas Tech. And he came and he preached at church. I said, church? You go to church? He said, well, not always, but somebody invited me. I said, you didn't invite me? So he went to church on Sunday night for this youth rally. And this guy preached the gospel. For those of you who don't know, the word gospel simply means good news. So this, this football player from Texas Tech preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and he invited them to step over the line and go all in with Jesus. And Lenny, amongst a whole bunch of other guys and, and young ladies, stepped forward that night and gave his life to Jesus. And so Lenny shows up the next day changed, transformed, Listen, I knew Lenny inside and out. He knew me inside and out. So I would know if something was legitimate. Anybody remember your best friend in high school? You knew everything about each other. In fact, you talked alike, you dressed alike, you acted alike, you listened to the same music. I mean, everything was kind of just the same. You became mini-me's of one another and twinsies and all that. But it's because you just got so used to each other. And I knew something was different. 
So I start bugging him. What well, bugs me all morning. Then I see him at lunch. We go to lunch together. We go off campus. I'm like, I'm like, what, what do you mean you got saved? What does that mean? He said, he said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ last night. He said, the guy preached, gave an invitation, you know, invited people to come forward. He said, I felt like I was just being pulled. He said, I got up out of my seat. And he said, I wasn't even thinking. I just went to the front. And he said, I prayed with somebody and I gave my life to Jesus. And that just started a whole battery of things for me. And really, the way I look at it, it was like a domino effect for me. Just things begin to happen where God begins showing up in all kinds of places in my life. Because let me say something. God loves you, but God will put things in your path to get your attention. And so, I was thinking about this this morning in light of what we're doing, and I'm thinking, if Lenny Drake, knowing Lenny, could be the very person that God uses to lead me to Jesus and to point me to Jesus Christ, I think God can use anyone in anything. Don't you? And so, he points me to Jesus, and that begins this cascading, this domino effect of things opening up and doors and me beginning to have lots of questions. I had questions for Him because I saw Him change in front of my eyes. Let me tell you something. The best testimony there is on the planet is that of a changed life. You can study apologetics. You can try to argue somebody into the kingdom. You can try to convince them with, with savvy facts, statistics. And I'm not saying those are bad. We need to know what we believe. I believe that. We need to have our foundation sure. But there's nothing more compelling to me than seeing a transformed and changed life. And you know what? I got online this morning and I looked up Lenny's obituary. Oh, by the way, Lenny passed away at 36. And so I got online this morning as I was thinking about this. And I thought, I never read his obituary because it all happened. We had grown apart after high school and went our own separate ways. But I'll never forget Lenny Drake, and I'll never stop honoring his name for pointing me to Jesus. So I got online and I found his obituary this morning, and I found out that he had a daughter, and I was able to find this picture. So I looked up his daughter's uh, Facebook account, and so I wrote her a message this morning. And I said, you don't know me, but I went to high school with your dad. And we were best friends in high school. And there was a point in his life where he stepped over the line to be a follower of Jesus. And his change in his life so impacted me that it compelled me to go on a search for truth. And because of Lenny, so I wanted her to know that because of your dad, I came to know Jesus and now I've been a pastor over 34 years. And because of Lenny's love, because of Lenny's heart and Lenny's willingness to be bold with me, now... Hundreds, maybe even thousands, who knows by the end of this thing, maybe millions, we never know the ripple effect of our lives, have been impacted and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ because of that one decision with Lenny that night. And so listen to this scripture. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's in that same passage where Jesus was with his disciples and saying this, if you want to show your love, then you want to lay down your life for somebody else. You want to go all in and be willing to lay it down. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you. He laid his life down for you. He was willing to be crucified on a cross. 
He was willing to take nails driven through His hands and into His feet. Now here's the deal. Jesus was with the Father from the beginning, right? He was there when when the Bible says in Genesis that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And this was before the earth was even, it was without form and void, the Scripture says. Jesus was with God then, the Father. He was there. He He was in all of that. So I'm thinking if this Jesus who was involved in, from the very beginning, now knowing everything he knows about the fall of mankind, about where we went off the rails, where we missed it, where we, as the Scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we know that we're numbered among that. We've sinned. We've fallen short. We've missed the mark. Jesus, knowing all of that full well, still willingly says to the Father in a moment of desperation while He was here on the earth, He prays and says this, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus Himself says, I am willing to do whatever it takes. And so He goes to a cross on our behalf. And He takes nails in His hands and His feet, a spear in His side, And He dies for us. Greater love has no one than this, than one laid down one's life for his friends. In a very real sense, the fact that Lenny was willing to be bold with me, he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so all of our car conversations started coming around to spiritual matters as he was learning and as he was growing. And I was firing questions about about what this means and what does it mean to be saved? What does that word even mean? And what does it mean to have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I mean, I didn't understand all that language. And Lenny, as he was learning, was teaching me. So he was a disciple, a learner, who was discipling me pre-Jesus He was discipling me before I ever stepped over the line. He was teaching me. What was he doing? He was laying his life down for his friend. And I'm forever grateful for that. Listen to this passage. Again in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him. Now Jesus was always, he was talking to his disciples. This is one of his disciples. It was Thomas who was struggling with belief. He was struggling. He was always doubting. We, we, even he's gotten the name Doubting Thomas because he wasn't sure. So he was struggling and Jesus said, let me clarify something for you. Let me just make it plain and simple. He says this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, Jesus was saying, if you want to know the Father... You have to come through me to get to him. Now right there sets up a pretty serious scenario that there may, if this this holds true, then that means there is no other way to know the Father, correct? correct? It eliminates all other paths, all other streams, all other rivers, because I've even heard people say, and I've had these conversations, people say, you know, there's many rivers, but they all end up at the same pond or the same lake. And it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Jesus was pretty clear about this fact. He's the way, the truth, the life. He never said, I am a way, a truth, and a life. It says, no one comes to the Father, comes to God. 
No one reconnects with God and is restored to God except through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, in John 6.44, he says this, No one can come to me, alright, unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. I remember I was challenged in my belief system by a fellow co-worker. I was a brand new young follower of Jesus. And I remember being challenged. It was one of those riding in the cab of a pickup with four deep workers. We were all electricians and we were all grunts, you know, digging, digging ditches with sharpshooters and whatnot, just working hard and just a bunch of rough guys on a construction site. And I was on one end, new in Jesus, on fire for God. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, I wanted to tell everybody, because here's what I learned a long time ago. When you get good news, you can't keep it to yourself, right? If you can keep it to yourself, it's not good news to you. Okay, let me say that again. If you're keeping it to yourself, it's not good news to you. Because anything that's good news to me, i got to tell other people about it. I mean, we got one of those iRobot things, you know what I'm saying? That's good news to me. I'm the floor guy in the house. I want people to know this thing is amazing. This thing has a mind of its own. It's like intelligent. It follows me around. Annette said, do you want to name that thing? I said, yeah, I think we need to name it. Well, I tell people about it and I laugh about it because it's good news to me. But can you imagine good news that says, I've just changed the trajectory of your life and your eternity, and all of your family that follows now has the potential for change and to make a life that's going to make a difference on the planet. You know what that is? That's good news. So no one can come to the Father unless the Father... Look at this. No one can come to me, this is Jesus speaking, unless the Father who sent me draws Him. Here's the beauty. He's always drawing. He's always calling. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is what? It's light. He's always calling, come to me, come to me. He shows up on the water. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. What does Jesus say to him? One word, come. Come. He's always calling. But you have to recognize the activity of God in that and say, you know what? He's calling me. He's drawing me. And how does He do it? He does it through a million different things. It could be a conversation you have with somebody. It could be a TV program that speaks to you or a movie that pricks your heart and you're like, wait a minute. That, that's, there's something to this. It could be a Bible verse you read and it spoke to your heart. But there's always this drawing always happening. 2 Peter 3.9, listen to this. The Lord is not slow, another translation says slack, about His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. You know, a lot of people are calling out, man, I just wish the world would end. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go home and be with Jesus. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. He's being patient for a reason. It's because of this. He's patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all, someone say all. all. He wants all, look at this, but for all to come to repentance. In other words, the reason why the world hasn't burned itself up or bombed itself out yet is because He is sustaining life, even though this thing seems to be spinning out of control, because He is being patient with you. He's being patient with you. And I want to be of the spirit and the heart of some, the mindset of 
thank you for being patient, but I'm not going to test this thing. There are some of you sitting here who may think, one day I'm going to get my act together with God. One day I'm going to clean up some stuff, and then I'm going to step over the line. Someday, why wait? Why test it? No one knows the day or the hour when He's going to return. And please, stop guessing. It's, nobody knows. Jesus Himself said, even the Son of Man doesn't know the day or the hour. So what makes you think we're going to figure it out? Amen? Amen. But look at that. He's patient toward you. Some of you have felt like, and I've even talked to people who have said, I feel like I've committed the unpardonable sin. I'm like, brother, sister, if you committed the unpardonable sin, you wouldn't be here anymore. Check your pulse. Okay, you still got one. You're good. You still have time to turn, to repent, to come to Him. The word repent simply means turn. You're going one way, you turn, and now you go the other. Alright? Colossians chapter 1. This is saying who Jesus is. This is so important to understand. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. I highlighted some of these so we'll get the idea here. The firstborn over all creation, for by Him... All things were created. You're going to see some alls, some firsts, that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Here it is again. All things were created through Him and for Him. Do you think that kind of sets Jesus up to be first? Well, it goes on. And He is before all things. That means in front of. And in Him all things consist. Verse 18. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, here it is again, that in all things He may have the preeminence. Preeminence simply means this, first place. And so as we land the plane on this, one more. I'll share that one in a second. Listen to this. The bottom line is this. When you put God first in your life, life will find order. I'm not saying perfection. I'm not saying your tire might not be out of balance sometimes. I'm saying things will find their place. But when God is not in first place, nothing will find order in your life. Let me say it one more time. When God is first in your life, things will find order in your life. When He's not first in your life, things will never find order in your life. So my question for you is, are things out of order? Have you ever driven a car with a, with a weight that got slung off of the tire? Have you ever driven up on the highway beside somebody and their tire's out of balance? Three tires are running smooth and that other one's going boom, 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 and it's destroying that tire. It's destroying that suspension in that vehicle. And, and they're, they're driving like this. And it's because it's out of order. It's out of balance. So what we want to do is move God from the peripheral of our life and put Him very much in the center so that He may have preeminence, first place. Because it's only then that things will begin to find their place in our lives. Listen to this, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because I, I want to say something to you and really what Lenny challenged me on. And it was this. But what does it say? And this is, this is out of the book of Romans. And Paul is, is opening up and unpacking the gospel and trying to bring clarity 
to, the, to the, the Romans, he says this, but what does it say? The word, the message is what that means. The word or the message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The message of faith. Faith what? Faith in Christ. In other words, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Faith in Christ to become reconciled or connected to God. So he says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. This is what Lenny was trying to tell me. He said, I got saved. I said, well, explain that. He said, I can't really put it into words. And later, this came up. He said, that's what I was talking about. He said, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I, I said, you're the Lord of my life. You're the master. That's what that means. You're, you're the Lord over my life. And he said, I confess that. I gave that. And he said, he did it in a prayer with somebody. I said, wow, I, you prayed with somebody that? And he said, well, he led me. I said, okay, cool. And, he, and then believe in your heart. And I said, so you believed in your heart? He said, absolutely. I believe in my heart. And I said, he said, right here. It's in my heart. I thought, that's awesome. So that began the domino effect for me, seeking Jesus and seeking truth and saying, what does this all mean? Because here's what I knew. It wasn't going well for me. I'd messed a lot of stuff up, and I was just 18, 19 years of age. And I saw the trajectory of my life, and I said, that's not where I want to go. Now listen to this, Romans 10, 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I use the terminology here about stepping over the line or going all in. And, and the picture of that is, is following the Lord in this place of dying to your old self and being raised to walk as a new person. And here's the deal. If you're already a follower of Jesus and you're here this morning, you've already stepped over the line, then here's the responsibility and the privilege that you have. You get to share that message with other people. That's the privilege that you have. Now here's the thing. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you've never made that move, you've never stepped over the line, then here's your responsibility. And it's simply to this, to say, I don't understand it all, and let me tell you something, you won't. I don't get it all, but here's what I, be I believe. I believe in my heart that Jesus was real. And I believe that He went and gave His life for me. And I'm ready to start my journey with Him. I'm going to step over the line. I'm going to go all in with Jesus. And I'm going to give Him my life. So here's what we're going to do as we land the plane this morning. We're going to practice this and make an opportunity because you may be here and you're saying, well, then what do I do? How do I do that? Well, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. So here's what I want. I want our prayer team to come up here and our elders, if you would, come and be available. And Russ, if you would help me out. And we're going to keep it simple. And we're going to keep it short. And I did this when I was young. I walked down the aisle of a church. Did it the first time at Flint Avenue Baptist Church in Lubbock. And that was when I was a kid and didn't have a clue what I was doing. But later as a young adult at 19 years of age, 18 actually, I stepped over the line and I walked down the aisle of First Baptist Church, Post, Texas, where the bold gold antelopes are. Walked down that aisle, shook Pastor Reese's, Glenn Reese's hand, and he prayed with me. And it was a beautiful moment. 
And that changed the course and trajectory of my life forever. So we're going to give you that opportunity this morning. So if you're here this morning, you've never spoken.